Dipped in Tone Season 2, episode whatever we're on. Uh, we just tried to start the episode and then realized the stream wasn't up and running yet for our patrons, so we are restarting. That's right. So, um, and now... We're not afraid to admit our mistakes when they happen, you know? <laughs> yeah, and people are... Uh, I've, I've seen a few comments, people getting onto us because we, we have failed to meet the consistency that we uh, said we were going to do. But you know well, what? We are but human... Yeah, we are but human. It is going to hurt our uh, our attempt to take over the guitar podcasting world, though, the inconsistency. Yeah. So we may want to rethink that whole thing, but um, I'm still convinced that we can we can become number one. I think so. I did. uh, I I got to see Blake from Tone Mob last week or this week. Uh Uh-huh. And yeah, I didn't tell him we're coming for him. But Blake. This is your warning, Blake. (laughs) We're coming for you. This is it. But Start yeah, man, podcast how, beef, you hear me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Hey, you know, and that's that's something that the guys have brought up to me um, in the shop. They said there's not been any mythos scandal or mythos beef, so we're trying to decide what's going to be that first thing. So if you have any suggestions, um, leave it in the comments below. <laughs> well, there's the classic, you know, pedal maker's lament of where does this circuit actually come from? Mm-hmm. You know, you could get the gear page all riled up about that because that's what they seem to live for. That happened um, once, yeah. Okay, and, so you've already was, been through that. Yeah, that was fun. Says I had a guy that bought a Chupacabra, and the Chupacabra is based on the forty forty nine chip, which is mm-hmm. um, the you know the the tube sound fuzz, the uh, Red Llama, the Hot Tubes. They all famously use that chip, and it is like at its core similar to a tube sound fuzz and a Red Llama because you know just is and you know a lot of things i make especially the things i started building a few years ago were you know very derivative and he got really mad and then before he ever spoke to me posted on every forum he could find (laughs) but but what's crazy and i i'm so thankful for this um is the gear page actually was like yeah it's it's that chip and you know, he just describes it on his website. So like people make clones, what's the big deal? <laughs> so yeah. it's like, yeah. it was good. I, I felt relieved, but it, it, man, what a gut punch. I think, I think the, the gear page and other forms can be pretty, pretty self-policing most of the time. Yeah, like they can, they can kind of keep it on, keep it in between the lines. So there's that option. You could, uh, you could go on Facebook and post some inflammatory stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's been done. Mm hmm. Um, we're not really in a scandal though right now for you to post about. So maybe you sit on that until there's another big thing happening that you yeah. can post about to say something real hateful. Yeah. It's real, real bigot, bigoted and hateful. Um, there's that option. You mm-hmm. could, <sighs> well, that's I mean, me. You, there's just you the know. classic beef option though. You could just like call out another builder. Yeah. For, any, pick your reason. Uh, you think your stuff sounds bad. You think it's overpriced. You could, um, Maybe that's that hasn't happened in a while, so maybe that's your option. <laughs> hey, uh, I don't know. We'll figure it out. But how was your week? Hey, dude, my week was crazy. Yes. Um, so since the last time we taped, <laughs> uh, so over the course of last week, I hung out with Phil X, the mighty Phil X, over at Rick Beato's place, did a video with those guys, uh, went and saw Phil's show. Then the next day, Eric Zapata, a uh, good friend of mine and the guitar player with Gary Clark Jr. Uh, came and spent, he stayed here in Atlanta with us for like four days and we just had a, a jolly moment running around, going to different guitar stores, um, hanging out. It was uh, a really, really good time. So uh, 
Yeah, it was it was fun, man. Got to meet Doyle Bramhall That's through awesome. Eric through Zapata, which is cool. Right. I'm a huge Doyle Bramhall fan. Like, I, he's one of my favorite guitar players, especially like modern working guitar players. I loved his last album, Shades. Um, and I was a little nervous to meet him. I'll admit it. You know, I uh, we were we were backstage. We went to go see Clapton here in Atlanta, and I was backstage, and Doyle came down to see Eric because they've played together. Zapata and Doyle have played together a bunch. And so, um, and they just sat and I just kind of sat there quietly, like not knowing what to say the whole time. So Mm -hmm. I just was very sheepishly. I was like, Hey man, I'm a a big fan. Um, I I loved, I loved shades and, um, I really, I really love your playing, man. And he was like, Oh, thanks man. Thanks. (laughs) It's awkward telling someone you had, admire them sometimes <laughs> yeah yeah so anyways that was fun though it was really really cool got to sit around play a lot of guitars hang out with some really cool people phil x dude oh my god you've met phil before right yeah yeah you cannot find a nicer more humble more fun person to be around in the guitar world than phil x he is so cool he is so cool and god can he play guitar it's yeah. uh it's insane. So I, he came to the shop and this was when I first made the golden fleece in like the big yellow box with the, the Ram skull on it. Yep. And, um, they were, it was him and, um, the other guy on Bon Jovi that plays guitar. That's like the producer dude. Um, Oh, John Shanks, John Shanks. Yeah. I was gonna say yep. John Sh- Sykes, but that's the wrong person. <laughs> uh, Shanks. And, uh, they were playing through a Marshall like half stack. And they're like, you have any cool fuzz pedals? I was like, I have one. And so I went and got, <laughs> I got a golden fleece and hooked it up. They were like, oh man. And I gave, I gave them all one. It was real cool. But yeah, nice. very nice. Yeah. And then to cap it all off, uh, Ariel Posen was in town playing a festival. Oh, yeah. And so, uh, we all, <laughs> they, they were playing a festival like two hours away from Atlanta. So we didn't go get to see them play, but then they came back and Zapata and I went down to Rick's studio and hung out with Ariel and his band. And then we all went out to dinner uh, that night. And it was, it was just one of those moments I was looking around the table and thinking like, the hell am I doing here? (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's Zapata and Ariel and they're talking about like, you know, all these different places they've played and all over Europe. And then it's Rick and it's a whole thing. And I was just, it was a cool moment. It was was a lot of fun. So that's very eventful, very fun week. Um, and then looking forward to this coming week, Jimmy Bird, my studio designer, builder extraordinaire, is coming out from L.A. for two weeks, and we are going to start swinging hammers and uh, framing out the studio for the next two weeks. So I've tried to bank some YouTube videos ahead of time so I can just focus on the studio build when it's happening, and um, yeah, it's going to be a good time. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah, man. Well, fun, fun, fun. You got a rig to dip? I do. Uh, actually, I have a good one. I have, a, I, have a, I have one I think you'll, you'll really enjoy. So- Uh-oh. What if uh, I hate it? Yeah, there's no way. There's no Dude, way. This is a test of our friendship here because you you think you have me dialed in, and then what if my just just post it up? Let's see. Okay, all right, here we go. So this is from uh, Dave Madison, Cheddar Kung Pao. I don't know if you are familiar with his old oh, yeah, YouTube. Yeah. Here we go. Boom. Ooh. See, I know Bro. you, fam. <laughs> don't say no I'm, I'm such a dad <laughs> but anyway so this rig is it's 
pretty amazing. It's, it's pretty hot. So what we got here, we got a Fender Custom Shop Time Machine 1964 Stratocaster Journeyman Relic in Super Faded Fiesta Red. Oh. Ticks all the boxes. There you go. A Nick Huber Krautster II in FBB Blue. I don't know what that stands for. Uh, <sighs> okay. And he has two Morgans with an AB switcher, in, and that's it. So the more, uh, the Morgans are an MV, MVP23 and a JS12. So the Josh Smith, I'm not sure what the MVP is. Um, I'm not sure either, but I've played a JS12. We'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. But his, he says his plan is to use them um, for this little blues trio he's working on, and he runs the MVP dialed in for overdrive and then the, the JS12 for uh, cleaner tones. But, dude, yeah, like, what? You don't need anything else. I mean, like, if, no. if you can crank it, if you can turn it up, this is, this is pretty incredible. Uh, all right, let's start with the Strat. Okay, so admittedly, I'm not a huge Strat guy, but this one is doing it for me. So I love Fiesta Red yeah. for a few reasons. One, Fiesta Red is sort of just a, uh, a catch-all statement for a wide variety of reds that Fender seemed to do for a long time. Yeah. So um, at, at Songbirds, actually, they had a bunch of Fiesta Red Strats and some custom color stuff. And uh, it's it can be from almost like an orange, like a burned orange kind of thing to all the way to sort of a salmon pink kind of hue. Like it's a wide, wide color range. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this one's really nice. This is kind of straight down the middle, at least from the picture that we're looking at here. Yeah. F- um, faded, faded Fiesta. Cause I mean that my, my Cirrus S is, is Novo's take on Fiesta red. And it's pretty much just like kind of a pinky red, but but not over the top, you know, but yeah, but that yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I mean that it looks like a faded red strat from the sixties. And the journeyman relic is, is one of my favorites. It's a really yeah. light distressing. It's almost like the guitar was played and taken care of and then spent most of its life in its case. So it's not, yeah. you know, super beat up Uh rosewood board. Got to love it. Uh, what pickups are in that? Did he mention? He didn't mention. I'm sure it's probably stock. So it's probably just the, you know, custom shop 60s style pickup right now this this other guitar you said is nick huber what I, is this I, huber I, i've or I've, I've i've always heard it pronounced huber um that may be okay. incorrect but uh the only other time I, I well i've played one of these but the only other one i've ever seen is um uh uh dan's from that pedal show he has one so okay. it's a p90 neck uh humbucker bridge with a rap tail uh, Gibson Les Paul Jr. special sort of shape and I assume scale length, but just a really yeah. straightforward um, Kalamazoo inspired guitar. Really cool. Really like that color too. Yeah. Really it, nice color. Bluish, purplish. It's neat. All right. Now the dual amp rigs with so no pedal board here. Yeah. We have a Morley ABY switch on the floor running into the two amps, the MVP 23 and the JS 12, both from Morgan. Uh-huh. Now, uh, I don't know much about the MVP. I've definitely not played one, but the the JS12, that amp slaps. It's mm-hmm. really, really good. It's got a great, it does a tweed thing pretty well. Um, Josh Smith is, uh, he's a good friend and knows tone yeah. better than just about anybody out there. So, um, in fact, I did a video recently where there was a uh, JS40 
at Righteous. Somebody had traded in, and I used it for the video. I didn't show it, but I just mentioned in the video. I was like, yeah, I'm uh, using a Morgan JS40 today. And Josh called me the day it went up. The video went up like an hour after it went up. He called me. He's like, hey, is that amp still there? (laughs) Yeah. He's like, show me a picture of it. And so I sent him the link to Righteous' website. He's like, dude, apparently there's, he told me there was only 11 of those amps made. And he has, I think, four of them. <laughs> so he's like, man, you should go get that amp. I was like, uh, how much was it? But I think the head was like 1600 bucks, yeah. 15, 1600 bucks. And then yeah. it had the tall cab, the tall 212 okay. tweed cab. It was a killer looking amp. Yeah. Uh, but somebody got it. Somebody out there got it. Yeah. The, the, I've, I've probably played the JS ones the most from Morgan. And, uh, I just pulled up what the MVP is. And apparently it says it's um classic American tone meets British royalty. So it's um it's got a power scaling feature, um uh input gain. So power level, gain, volume, treble middle bass. But um yeah, some people are saying it's very uh in in the chat almost dumble esque meets uh plexi esque sort of okay. thing. So cool. But yeah, big clean punch and smooth overdriven tones with the gain knob. So EL84 based. Dude. Yeah. If you're doing a blues gig that he was talking about, blues trio, was it? That's what it said. All right. This is perfect. Utterly perfect for that situation. Uh I can't imagine. The, The only thing I think I would add would be a delay. Mm-hmm. And maybe a boost going into that MVP. I'd have like a two or a fuzz. Honestly, I'd probably just put a fuzz and a delay on there and call it a day. Yeah, I was thinking, do the the MVP doesn't? But does the JS have reverb or is it? Uh, yeah, well, it's got a spring. I believe the JS still okay. has a spring too. Yeah, it's got reverb and dwell. So I mean, I don't know. It's like if you could switch them. If you had an AB, if that's an ABY box, you could stack them. You yeah, could stack them and keep em. the spatial thing. I mean, I, that to me, it's like. I I crave a little bit of delay or or something to fill up space, but you know what I I used to gig without reverb on my amp, and I would always say, if you're loud enough, you just make your own. So <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is, and a lot of times, depending on the room, you you should probably probably turn your reverb down or off. Yeah, yeah, depending on the room and where you know what the the band is, the situation. So I think um, yeah, if, if it were me, I was running this rig, I'd probably just put a fuzz on the floor. Call it a day. Mm-hmm. Maybe a delay for a little slapback. I think some slapback would be sweet into that rig. Yeah. Um, but my God, two guitars, two amps, no pedals. The amp is your overdrive and boost. Come on. It's it's brave, but it's rock and roll, and, and I, I love it. I'm here for it. So uh, I, I think uh, this was pretty uh, quick, but what would you rate this? Oh, man. This gets a straight nine shoils for me. That's what I was thinking. It was 9.0 out of 10. This would be a 10 out of 10 if there's a fuzz on the floor. Yeah. Fuzz and a delay. Or, I mean, just, I mean, honestly, just, you're right. Just a fuzz or some sort of dirt box with a battery. Just lay it on the floor. Yep. No pedal board. No nothing. Just put it on the floor. Plug two cables into it. Call it a day. Boom. Well, that was easy. (laughs) Bravo. What a great rig. Yes. I'm. I'm 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 into it. I want to play it. 
Who like was they, it that made that comment on the last the last week's episode? There's like, oh, this is the most un rock and roll. Or, <laughs> These guys are so un rock and roll. Yeah, they said uh, it said. Oh man! Oh, uh, people like this are the most un rock and unoriginal <laughs> musicians. And then free the zombies said, much like trolls, which I I appreciate. So yeah. Oh man, there's nothing more original than calling someone unoriginal. <laughs> well. Yeah, what a hero! <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, All right, yeah, what a great rig. Look, why it. don't you explain what we're going to talk about today to the fine folks at home? Well, speaking of uh, unoriginality and unrock and rollness, uh, Zach and I have been working behind the scenes here for a little bit. So, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard us reference Shoils, right? <laughs> and a while ago, the Shoils thing kind of started as a joke. Uh, it actually, it, not kind of, it definitely was a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what would be the worst name for a company ever if we combined our forces? And we we're like, oh, we'll just call it Shoyles for Shawl and Broyles. I don't and, think that's that bad. I, mean, I kind of like the Well, is, yeah. So as we started, like, sitting on it and talking about it and joking about it more, we were like, well, actually, that's not that bad. And now we're releasing a pedal under the Shoyles name. Yes. The Shoyles brand. Yeah. And so... um it was something that was literally just us texting and bouncing ideas back and forth when we talk on the phone about what we would want. And over the past um, month or so since we, uh, well, we as in mythos, we have been able to get really on top of all of the builds and uh, kind of get ahead of the dealers for the most part. I've been able to spend time in here in design. And so that was the first thing that I wanted to try to actualize. And here recently there were some more developments in the way of the enclosure that has really lit a fire under me to, to get a prototype working. Don't have a prototype yet, but the groundwork has been laid and we're going to be able to, you know, start sharing this with the world. And this to me is like the lark that we did yeah. was, was really specific and people mm-hmm. that get it, got it. But the community at large probably w- couldn't connect with that as easily as what we're aiming to do with this. But I think this appeals to, if you like fuzz, if you like dirty sounds, we're going to give you something you can really like. Yeah, yeah. The Lark was something that we decided to do just because we hadn't seen anyone else do it. Yeah. You know, what if you did an amp in a box that was based off of this amp with a tremolo and we knew that it was going to be a niche thing and we only made what, like a hundred or something of them? How many yeah. larks are there? There's around a hundred. Yeah. Apart, okay. I mean, not counting the ones that like I have and you have, you know? Yeah. Um, don't sell them for big money, please. There's one guy around here who's trying to sell one for like four or 500 bucks. Yeah. Don't do that. Anyways. So this is our first pedal. Our first of hopefully maybe a full line one day. <laughs> I like that idea. I mean, yeah. So do you want to do you want to talk a little bit more about it? You want to go ahead and show the enclosure? Let's sh- let's show the enclosure. Now this is like okay. I mean, this is some sneak peek stuff right here. So, um, we wanted something that was interesting. So here's the back, right? All right, that's I'm, the back. I want to yep. wait. I'm going to sh- turn to the side. So this is a cast enclosure that I've seen people use for years, but didn't know where to get them. And uh, I finally got my hands on some and found a source. 
And I know the people in the chat can't see it. I'm going to move the <laughs> over here to the camera here. Um, so this is a cool cast aluminum enclosure. It's really heavy, yeah. which is kind of kind of nice. It's very expensive to buy, but it's one of those things that, I, I mean, the moment I got it in my hands and and like put knobs on it and kind of saw what it had the potential to be, it was like this is it. Cause it's not yeah. that big, but mm-hmm. it's super cool. So, yeah. Yeah. So our, the idea with soils is, um, and we're going to talk about the pedal development process. The, yeah. the point of this episode is not to just be a commercial for, um, this brand, but we do want to talk about it a little bit. So the aesthetic that we both kind of had in mind sort of came from us kicking around ideas on your Instagram live stream, yeah. which Originally, my idea was like, okay, what if a, so it's 1951, you are in the Bonneville Salt Flats out in, where's Bonneville? Is it Utah? I think it's Utah. Mm -hmm. Arizona, giant dry lake bed out in the the desert of the southwestern United States that for years people have done, okay, have done land speed uh, racing. In 1951, post-World War II, right in the hot rod era, there were these speed shops, these guys that would build these land speed cars by hand, just out of whatever they could get their hands on. Some of them were like leftover fuel tanks from bombers and stuff (laughs) like that. And they would shove these giant engines in them and they'd go land speed racing across the Bonneville salt flats. And there's a very specific aesthetic to this thing, at least in my mind, right? In terms of the logos, the speed shops and the pictures of the cars. And it's a very interesting Americana 1950s hot rod rock and roll kind of thing. And that's what we're going for with this whole Shoyles brand. That's what the the uh, enclosure is supposed to look like. We're talking about polishing the enclosure. So it's like a, a polished aluminum kind of look. Well, there's so much potential for this to do it in so many different ways because it, the sides are a little, um, let's see if I can get it to show up on the nice camera here. They're a little crunchy. Um, yep. So it it was one of those things that kind of have to be, it might have to be sanded, but then buffed. And that's a lot of work, but it could be, I mean, I could definitely see us doing, uh, runs that are a raw, raw box run. Or, or we could do too is like, so there, there could be specific runs. You could have raw box, you could have polished ones. We could do specific like five or 10 pedal runs with artists, with painters and have them paint like a livery. So Robert Dudley in the chat just posted a really cool SoCal speed shop graphic. And so it's like, what if you painted a fifties race car livery on there? Yeah. Um, or you had like a World War II P-51 fighter kind of livery on there, all hand-painted, hand So there's a lot of options to do with this thing. But um, yeah. yeah, so that's kind of the design idea, the aesthetic idea. Well, and, and two, is it um, the, part of the idea for the, the external is there's not going to be any printing on it. Because right. mainly because um, so when like a normal pedal, I don't have one of mine at arm's reach, is printed, it's usually like a flat surface, right? And so the flat surface is printed with a UV printer or screen printed, right? Um, for something like this with the slope, um, that is is a bear. So you have to make a jig that holds it up straight 
or like that, that's, that's UV printed. Uh, or you can do a pad print where it has like a big pad that comes down and does everything. But what we're going to do, and I've sent, I don't even know if you responded to the, 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 the image I made, uh, there's going to be like panels, kind of like uh, the light speed. Yeah. Um, and, uh, who else does that? Does Spaceman do that? Um, Spaceman, that's right. Uh, brown, brown amplification does it. Um, there's a few people a that do thing, like, yeah. yeah, like a metal panel or like a printed plastic panel. Well, I think boss, met- <laughs> under the knobs yeah. on a boss is like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. a little, little piece of metal or something. Yeah, Spaceman does it. I think what could be cool is like a panel, either metal or, or whatever material it is that's riveted on. I know some people do that too. Ooh. Um, <laughs> just get your rivet going. Yeah, you, you say that. And I'm, I'll send them to you to get them all prepped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's easy for me to just like fire yeah. off ideas. Yeah, like, man, this is cool. Make we it do this. Yeah. <laughs> Gary, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about the circuit a little bit. So we, we know it's a fuzz. People know it's a fuzz, mm-hmm. but uh, it's not. Okay, I'm going to take my hands off my head because we both oh, have sorry. our hands <laughs> on head right now. It looks very. <laughs> somebody don't, please don't screenshot that. Uh, um, so tell us about the circuit. Well, the, so the idea from the beginning was to marry fuzz circuits and octave, right? And so the octave is effectively going to be the Argonaut. Um, which is a slightly modified version of the green ringer style circuit. Um, but it's going to have a blend control on it. So you can blend in and out control. Null. Yeah. That's the, that's what I've heard it referred to. And I like that name where you can basically blend in and out how much octave effect happens. And then the fuzz and all this is going to be independent. It's not going to have order switching, but it's going to, everything's going to work independently. The fuzz is going to be, an interpretation of tone bender where I'm going to try to make something that's repeatable sounds germanium ish, but it's going to take normal power. You don't have to stress about anything. You can use it regardless of temperature, no matter what. And I really, really, really am excited because I have a prototype for a different thing that was using a similar idea and it came together last week and it sounds so good. So I'm really pumped about this. Yeah. So we were kicking around the ideas of like, well, what type of fuzz circuit should we put in it? Should it be two fuzz circuits? Should it be, you know, a blend of two fuzz circuits, whatever. And we decided pretty early on that the tone bender, I think to both of us, the tone bender is like, at least for me, I think it's a really good place to start. If you're going to have one fuzz, fuzz faces are good, you know, uh, Big muffs are good, but to me, oh my god, it's already in the chat. <laughs> but but to me, uh, like my Mark One tone bender, that's oftentimes my first grab, like the first fuzz that I go for, right? Because of the way it interacts with your guitar, because of the way it hits the front end of your amp, it's incredibly musical. I love the way the Mark One reacts. It's a very very simple pedal. It cleans up well. It does a really cool thing. Uh, and when I combine it with um, the octave from the Argonaut, um, it does a really, really cool thing. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at. Yeah. And I, um, you know what? I don't even know. <laughs> I feel like I need to fire up Eagle right now. Cause I don't know if I put the, which I don't know which circuit I put first. And it's like, cause the circuit board, uh, is done. <laughs> right. So right. I have, well, the prototype is, is, is done. Um, 
Let me see. Uh, so yeah, you have the, you sent me the, I love, he sent me the schematic last week. Okay. Or no, yesterday he sent me a schematic. <laughs> He's like, all right, here you go. I was like, I don't know what I, there's just a bunch of lines and circles, man. <laughs> I don't yeah, know what this is. I'll send pictures of the boards and the schematics to Rhett and like, ah, look what I did. So I put it's the like, octave. Uh, cool. The octave is before the fives. So honestly, yeah, we might, we might get this back and go, it should really be after. Right. So, and, and I didn't even talk to you about that. We're doing this live. Like, do you like octave fuzzes pre or post? Well, I don't know what, how would it, well, you haven't, okay. I gave you an Argonaut, right? Yeah. Yeah. But so, I haven't experimented with it pre or post. Yeah. But what I was going to suggest is on the prototypes, how difficult would it be to have a little toggle to swap the circuit placement? Um, it's, um, it's, it's more difficult than you think. Because there's a couple ways to do it, right? So for the non-pedal nerds among us, like whenever you whenever you see a pedal that's like a two-in-one or whatever and you think, oh, why doesn't it have a pre or post switch? You either have to do a lot of signal routing with a, a actual like uh, latching switch, like a like yeah. a foot like a foot switch, essentially, a triple pole, double right. throw, where it routes the signal to the jacks. Or you do it with relays, which is what Josh Scott does. And he so incredibly graciously shared that circuit with, with me, which is, it's so much easier to do, but I could make it, I could make it work on that. It would just take another revision. And honestly, like if that's something we do and we revise it, I feel like we'd put a switch inside and leave it. And, and maybe like in the comments, I mean, on discord, everybody, let me know, would you rather it be switchable and still independent or should we just fix it and then leave it? Because I mean, yeah, it's an interesting question. Now the big part about this that I really dig is the independent feature. Like that was something early on. We both decided the octave and the fuzz need to be independent of one another because one of my favorite fuzz pedals ever is the hoof reaper V two from earthquaker and one of the reasons I love that pedal so much is because its octave circuit is independent. And so what I do when it's on my board is oftentimes I don't even use the fuzz circuits. I just go to that octave circuit and blend it with another overdrive or I'll just send it into the front of my amp, just a straight octave into the front of the amp that's edge of breakup or it's already broken up and it does a really cool thing mm-hmm. that I want to be able to have control of. And with the null control on there, right? Uh, you can blend the amount of octave in with your clean signal, correct? If you were just running the octave? Yeah, I mean, it's still, like, you still have a little bit of, like, the, there's an input buffer kind of thing happening. So you're getting a little bit of tone shaping. It's very subtle uh, when you turn it down. Like, if it's all the way down, it's still kind of coming through, but it's, I mean, it's not obvious. Um, yeah. But uh, it's it's not necessarily, like, a clean mix. So you don't have, like, you know, a parallel... A uh, clean line that is blended on top, and you're blending into that. That's more like how the um, the Argo works. Right. This is it's it's just taking what is creating the octave and making that not work, and you can blend it in and out. Um, yeah, but but I, the, the chat has exploded. Everyone wants it switchable. Some people say <laughs> they don't want it. They want an external like order switch. I I don't want to do that. I want it. I think just from an aesthetic point of view, like this needs to be the antithesis of clutter. Yeah. And, um, I, I think what, what I would like to do is have at the bottom of the board, we could have a little slide switch and you could say, you know, 
octave into fuzz, fuzz into octave and just have it labeled. And because I feel like once you find what works for you, you don't have to change it. I mean, yeah. I don't feel like that's something people need to change on the fly. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't either. It's like, well, dude, for this solo, so the second song I've got this solo and I need to octave into the fuzz, but then later in the set, I take a solo with this other guitar and you need the, the fuzz into octave. So, yeah. Because you put an external jack so I can put it on a, on a Boss FS5 foot switch and then switch it that way. Oh, God. <laughs> That was, that was a joke. That yeah, was a joke I mean, on, and that's on. something that, like, like, you know, I think about all these things. Like, should it have a jack to control this or that? Like, should it have some sort of weird expression control? But I think ultimately what this has to be is true to us. So, like, because I I, th- I think you and I and a lot of people that are, are living in the same dipped in tone and other circles that we live in, we approach the guitar in a very straightforward way. And I I know for me, and I feel like this is for you when there's too much, it like is too distracting Yeah. for something that needs to be simple, like a fuzz. If you want something wacky, let's let someone else make that. Yep. Yeah. The thing with fuzz for me is it needs to, um, I don't, I don't need a whole ton of features. Like part of the reason I love my tone bender is there's two knobs and they kind of do stuff. Right. (laughs) There's, there's not that much control over the tone. Yeah. You can make it a little louder, a little quieter, a little cleaner, a little more distorted, but most time I just point the two knobs at each other somewhere around here and it does its thing and it sounds great. And I leave it there. Right. Uh, And then my control is coming from the guitar. Yeah. And that's, so the approach on this is, you know, I, I say tone bender and that's like, that's a broad statement, you know, tone bender. There's the Mark one, which is a three transistor. This is Mark 1.5, which is a fuzz face effectively. And then it just gets more and more, um, you know, the Mark two is like the Jimmy page sort of, you know, gray thing. Jeff Beck, I think used someone like that. And then you get into the Mark three, which is like the big, like comic book. Yeah. kind of thing. And it had a tone knob. Um, so this is not going to four two over here. Okay. Let me grab my Mark four. Hold on. So, with this thing, I don't want it to have a tone knob. I, I want it to just be volume gain and the null or the octave control. So I I think that works best. So what what you what you got there? What you got? What you got? Oh yeah. I okay. love this pedal. My God. Yeah. So good. This has this pedal has the widest. So I'm holding up a Solar Sound Tone Bender Mark IV. Uh, you got a volume, a treble bass, and a fuzz control. This treble bass control has the widest effect, the widest range mm-hmm. of any tone knob I've ever used on any pedal. I mean, it sounds like two completely different circuits when the when you're all the way on treble versus all the way on bass. The fuzz sounds completely different. The EQ, I mean, it, it literally is two or three completely different pedals just based off of this control right here. Mm. I, need, I need to see that schematic because I, I know like, like the Mark... Uh, like a color sound is that that's a solo sound, right? Yeah, it's solo sound. Yep. Uh, it's like a really pretty straightforward style tone circuit. So I don't, I don't really know. But, but, but again, what, what, what I'm aiming to do with this is, I mean, the obvious thing is like, should we make it? The obvious question is, should it be Germanium? But then you have to go no. through that hassle. It's going to be way more expensive, and yeah. and it's just it, it's inconsistent that way too. So. Like this is going to be silicon 
and and hopefully that no matter what, every pedal is just within a couple degrees of of one another sounding the same. So yeah, so we didn't go. We talked about germanium, and at first I was pro germanium. When you think about like the um, the aesthetic of the brand and everything we wanted to do, like the look of this pedal, it's like, dude, mm-hmm. germanium. It's got to be germanium. It's got to be old school. But then right. as we talked about it, it was like, well, it's going to make the pedal way more expensive. Yeah like cost prohibitive for a lot of players out there. And and we don't want that. We want this to be accessible. Now it's not going to be like JHS three series territory. No. Um, but it is going to be more in line with, I think a typical, you know, boutique quote unquote pedal purchase. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, you know, we want to, we want these to get out there. We want you guys to play them. We want you guys to use them. We want to see them on boards and hear them on records. Like um, the, the Lark was kind of a niche, fun thing let's do this just to do it and put it out there this and i think the shoals thing is more of a wider appeal mass market get them out there and and get people that really love them and really like what what we do and our approach to this thing so yeah and 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 i'm i want to do because like with mythos it's always been um like it had a box because i'd have to ship it in something right you know, and, and and even now my packaging, like if you look at a lot of boutique guys like Greer, there's a sticker on the side and they write what yep. it is and that's it. You know, yep. I put a sticker on the top. Uh, Josh, I don't know what JHS is doing now. I know forever it was just like a big red sticker that went over the side and a sticker on the side. Um, yep. I mean, I've, I've never been one to do a lot for packaging because, you know, even – swag you put in a box when you see these pedals on reverb my pedals uh it's all still there a sticker mm. a button a keychain whatever um so i've not tried to sweat it but for this i really want it to be an experience too yeah and me and, too. and that's something that i think a lot of people overlook uh as far as the cost goes because getting custom boxes made is not cheap but I want to have something that when you when you get this and you see it, you're like, "Ow, neat!" <laughs> you know, dude, it it really matters. I'll tell you who does that really well is Jam Pedals. Yeah, um, yeah, really Jam. Cool. Even their normal bo- packaging is really cool. The way their boxes are and it like it folds out. It's like an arts and crafts kind of thing. But then they sent me some of their custom shop pedals earlier this year, uh-huh. and they have this. It honestly, it felt like the whole unboxing experience was something that you like, you wanted to go through again. It's this nice wooden box that slides yeah. open and then the pedals there. It's beautiful. So like I keep the boxes out, <laughs> like, right? I, I normally have all my pedal boxes stored down in the basement and cases and stuff, but these I keep out cause they're beautiful and I keep the pedals in the wooden boxes and it's, it's a thing. Yeah. Dave Jordan just mentioned what I was going to say. Beatronics. Like, oh, yeah. and even those are Every, like, you know, it's not that complicated, but it's just smart, effective packaging. Like they do like their own paper that's, you know, wraps the pedal and there's a few little bits of swag, but this, the foil printing on the boxes and it's like, yeah. it's, it's really nice. And I don't know like how far we're going to go with this because this is all new. This is an experiment. You know, oh, we yeah. might make this and I, I, I bought 25 enclosures and we may make 25-ish. 25. And people go, that like number 25 sits there for yeah. you know months, and this might yep. not do anything. So, yeah, uh, people are asking how much. We don't know yet. And that's the thing, yeah. too. It's like the cost of making these 
is so much more than just the parts that go into it. Because now, um, like how much, what kind of box are we going to get? Does it yeah. matter? Like, do people care if we get foil print? I would love that, but is it necessary? Does that fit with the brand aesthetic? Um, right. How much, how long is it going to take me and the guys to actually make them? You know? Yeah. So. Right. They should smell like burned rubber and gas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's some input. Maybe, maybe we hear from, from the, uh, the audience here. Like what would you, and I know this is going to be a wide range, but what would you pay for something like this? Yeah. For a, you know, pretty versatile, unique, premium fuzz pedal, you know, um, mm-hmm. with a nice, you know, box and some swag and, and kind of a cool thing, a cool aesthetic that is a unique sound. That is something that you're probably not going to easily find with any of the other major manufacturers. Right. You know, that's, that's kind of the MO here. And one of the things about this circuit. So like, I think anyone that knows me, I have, I mean, the last episode was all about fuzz and I have a certain criteria for what I like. I like a fuzz to clean up and I mm-hmm. like the knobs to do something. Yep. So some tone benders don't do that. You know, they might clean up, but the knobs might not have a whole lot of range. Right. And, and where I'm kind of landing with, with this, this approximation of what a tone bender is, because it's, it's using transistors that are not at all reflective of what the vintage ones had. Um, I don't know if, I mean, really, are there any silicon tone benders that were mass like mass produced i don't know i'd have to do some research uh well there was i mean so, i mean you had the fuzz face you had the silicon fuzz face which is as we as we pulled off a, or as we just said a derivation of a 1.5 but mm-hmm. but i don't know if there are any tone benders that were i mean most of these like there's there's a great website um uh general guitar gadgets which is fantastic and they have a bunch of schematics schematics on there and um there's another great website called fuzz central and these like general guitar gadgets and fuzz central for those wanting to get into pedals and want to stare at schematics. Um, like it's, a, it's so much information, but I'm, I'm looking at a few of these schematics and like the one thing you can see, like when you're looking at them is the ground is positive. So that means it's typically a, a PNP, uh, germanium, uh, Thing. So I think most of the, the tone benders, at least up until like some of the solo sound stuff is going to be that way. But, um, I, I'm, I'm just after this other thing came together and cause it, it, in the back of my mind, that was where I thought we should start after it kind of came together and I started messing with it and playing it with the guys, it just totally lit a fire under me to wrap this project up. And I think, I mean, we're going to do more documenting it. I think you and I both wanted to take it, not, not let the cat out of the bag too soon. And and even this might be too much. This might be people like, I don't like that box or it's going to be expensive or whatever. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's, we're both excited. And, and like, literally I, I sent a picture of this box with some knobs on it that are, freaking cool knobs and Rhett was just like oh yeah dude as soon as i got the picture i was like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool man it's yeah. like it's exactly what 
what I had envisioned when, when we were kicking around the idea of the look of it, you know, that like just very clunky, mechanical, sort of hands-on, oily, gasoline hot rod sort mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah, is is really the the vibe, and you know, to to an extent, it obviously it's about what the pedal sounds like and how it makes you feel when you play it, and is it inspiring to play? But the aesthetic side too really matters with with a pedal. Man, I think it, part of the Klon's sort of the the reverence everyone has for the Klon, it's a really cool cast aluminum enclosure. It's a beautiful object. Like yeah. whenever you see one in person, like it's just a it's a great looking thing. Yeah. Um, and people, a lot of times you do, whether you realize it or not, you hear with your eyes more than you think you do. Um, so yeah, that's, that was kind of the idea. So when he sent me that, that first picture, I was like, oh yes, <laughs> this yeah. is it, man. This is it. Yeah. And it, it and, um, it's, it's just one of those things that once, once you get a box that is not just a normal rectangle, it, it, it inspires you, uh, in such a way to try not to do the same thing. And even though this is going to be very inspired by all the stuff that, that we both know and love, um, it's, it's just going to be something that you don't see every day. And I think that speaks volumes. Cause like there's so many pedals that I think people have and you're right. They, they get it for an aesthetic reason. Not, not to say that like, you know, certain things aren't good in their own way, but there's something special to having a board that looks cool. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, I don't know. <laughs> It's like we we if if all this stuff didn't matter, we would all play just like natural colored guitars and like we wouldn't worry about anything like that. But we do like aesthetics and so this is this is where we're at right now. Yeah. Uh your name here in the chat is asking if we have a name yet and we don't. No, and you know, so someone recommended the SH dash one Z. <laughs> and on the mock-up, which I'm not going to share, I don't want to share the 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 mock-ups yet. Um, I I I put SH1, and I forgot <laughs> the, about the Z. And and then McKinley was like, "What about the Z? The shiz, man. The <laughs> shiz, man." <laughs> like, no, I can't. I'll tell you what we can do. I'll tell you what we can do. I like the SH1. That's cool. Is that taken though? I don't know. Maybe. I'm gonna probably. Look. I'm gonna look right now. It's probably like a Schechter one. Yeah. Um, it is taken. No. Oh, uh, it's a Seymour Duncan. That's the 1959, uh, <sighs> model. That's the part is the SH one pickup. So damn. Well, damn. Cause what I was going to say was, um, I was talking to Zapata about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so he and I sat up here the other, the other day for like two hours and I literally, I just pulled all my fuzz pedals out because Zapata is as big of a, or bigger fuzz nerd than me or anybody else I know. Yeah. And, um, we just played fuzzes for like two hours and, uh, pulled down the, the gold, the AU. He dug that one. Mm. Um, I still don't have my golden fleece back. Oh, I know. Well, I gotta get, get you I, a new I, one. I don't, I know I was going to try and play in the golden fleece, but I didn't have one. But anyways, um, what was cool, I told him about this project and I showed him the, the picture and everything. Um, so I think we need to reserve one of those 25 for him and we could call it, if we could have called it the SH one that his could have been the SH one Z. Right. For Zapata. <laughs> yeah. But, um, oh, and your name here asks for top Jackson power. Absolutely. That's a must. And, and, and this box might look like it's kind of like big, but it's about the yeah. same size as like the Oracle. So yeah, it's not that big. Yeah. So yeah, here's the Oracle. Um, <laughs> they hold it up. 
I, iPhone for reference. Okay. This is the big iPhone, whatever version this is. Um, here you go. 35. Coconut water for reference. There you go. See, it looks small. So, yeah. No, this is a good size. This is like yeah, it's pedal that, board friendly. It's that size. Yeah. yeah. And it's easy to step on too with two buttons. Like you're not going to accidentally like step on one or the other. You know, the um, only thing about like I was a little concerned because so internally because it's cast, right? There's a lot of support material on the edges. Um, and I kind of have the foot switches will have to be not and they won't be close, but they're going to be closer than than on the Oracle. Um, oh, Lyra in the uh, in the chat says just Bonneville fuzz or uh, BV one or something like that. That's kind of cool. There is there's a guitar company that is ran by a friend of mine called Bonneville Guitars. So, um, so that might, I, we can't call it that, I but think, we could call it something similar to that. So here's what I want to do, man. Um, if anyone here knows about Roadkill, the old Hot Rod show, <laughs> I used to watch Roadkill religiously. Do you know about this show? No, dude, you would love it. It's great. Um, I know about roadkill, like animals and stuff. No, it's not not like about, about literal roadkill. Um, but these two guys from Hot Rod Magazine uh, started making this show. God, ten years ago now. When did Roadkill start? I can't even remember. But where they would like travel around the United States, Mike Finnegan and David Freiberger, who incidentally Mike Finnegan now lives here uh, in North of Atlanta. Anyways, they would go, and each episode would be them like finding some. I mean, like clapped out old muscle car that didn't run like was not safe or anything and they would take some basic hand tools and they would get the thing running and they would just drive it across country back to like hot rod headquarters and it was just crazy stuff but there's one episode of roadkill from years and years ago where they went to bonneville apparently david freiberg is a big like land speed guy so i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna watch that episode and just listen to these guys talk because i bet somewhere in there there's some terminology or some name for something that's unique to like the salt flat racing yeah. genre that would be perfect for the name of this fuzz. And I, I like the idea of having some sort of abbreviation in a number because it feels very true to fuzz. Mm-hmm. And and I think it feels very true to the aesthetic of what this brand should be. Because Shoyle's like the joke, like fine guitar instruments and accessories or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, like it was very tongue in cheek, but at the same time, it definitely like it has like a vibe. And I think we still have to settle on a logo. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of work left to be done, Yeah, but it's, I feel like first and foremost, it has to sound good. And, yeah. uh, that's now that <laughs> we've thrown a wrench in the works of needing a, an order switcher, which there's plenty of room on the box. Like I can, or on the PCB, like I can get it, I can get it in there, but, but that's going to require another revision. So are we going to draw, are we going to let the cat out of the bag on the PCB yet? Or is that going to be an Easter egg? That's going to be, we're going to, that'll, when it, when it launches, when we, I think I bought Shoyles for like a, a URL. Um, okay. So once, once we drop the photos, we will show, what this PCB is going to look like. And I think, I think people are going to like it. So yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole thing there too. We're not ready to talk about, but uh, let's see. S F one, the shit and get fuzz. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The the F U (laughs) one. No, no. S F two. I like the, I like the, the two. um, Oh my gosh. 
Oh wow, Avorius in the chat. Uh, that's that's it. You found our logo. So I like the idea too of like two letters and a number because it's it's sort of you know jet age post World War II, um, like Cold War era military experimentation, like experimental jets. You mm-hmm. know where yeah. the like the SR seventy one was born and like the X one and all this kind of stuff. That's it's the same kind of aesthetic. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the U.S. government out there fucking around in the desert, flying some sketchy stuff, you know. Right, spaceships. That's yeah, spaceships, man. Hell, maybe we could call it the uh, the Area Fifty One fuzz, man. <laughs> oh my god, aliens up there. Uh, uh, what was that? The dude's name that had the um had the documentary made about him. Oh, uh, oh man, uh, he was like well, a scientist from Area Fifty One. Yeah, what's this dude's name? Uh, he like. Captain Captain Aliens or something. No, his name I, is. I, uh, I, Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. Yes. There it is. Man. The Lazar. We'll Lazar. We call it the, the Lazar. Lazar. <laughs> <laughs> that, hey, that, I mean, that's, I don't know, it's better than shiz. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude, it's SH1Z. Come on. That would have to be the bit. If we got away with that name, if we went with that name, we would, you could never acknowledge the joke. You'd be at Nam or something. Some of you like, oh, hey, yeah, the shiz, right? We're like, right. What? No. Well, SH one Z. I think we've divulged all there is to, to share at this time. <laughs> you have a shill. I do, you know, and, and I grabbed one of my favorite style of pedals I've ever, um, you know, that, I, that I've ever used, um, this, this thing right here, the DOD 280, uh, compressor. Oh, yeah. So yeah, cool. I mean, I love compressors and I don't, I don't know. This is a vintage one. I Just got know. it today. And uh yeah, it's pretty neat. So wait, yeah. I don't I never <laughs> pegged you for a big compressor guy. You know? I'm not. I'm just kidding. I <laughs> I went to this place. Uh we went we went to lunch as a as a crew, as a mythos crew, and got lunch and it was great. Very thankful to Mass Street Music. They um, bought our lunch for us today. So right next to the restaurant was a guitar shop. Went over there and um they had a bunch of pedals and this one and another dod are actually kind of cheap and this is an old mm. one i mean this is like um a real one nice. this is a real one and um yep. like i i said well you know it's only gonna get more valuable and i i might as well grab it and i plugged it up to our test rig to make sure it works which our test rig for testing every mythos pedal is a ditto x2 looper playing the same loop that's been on there for like pushing three years and my <laughs> my fender vibro champ xd and it's like yep it compresses and then i put it back on the shelf but i don't know it's just kind of neat i do love the aesthetic of these yeah they're and, so cool and i uh i don't know i i saw it and thought you know i don't have many vintage things really like in the pedal shelf so i had to get it yeah man yeah well what about I'm you a- since I already grabbed it, I don't think I've uh, talked about this, but the uh, the Solar Sound Tone Bender Mark IV. There we go. Um, That's way so cooler Anthony than Macari, mine. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony McCarry sent this to me after I made my video about buying my Mark I mm. a couple of years ago. Um, he saw the video and was a huge fan. And then uh, this showed up in the mail a few weeks later. It's awesome. And um, it's it's another really special, a really special fuzz, man. It's, um you know, it's got... This one was built by uh, DAM, 
stomp boxes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. South Yorkshire. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's the, the accent that they have in South Yorkshire. <laughs> you nailed it. Um, yeah. I'm, listen, man. I'm a cultured, I'm a cultured individual. Uh, but it's cool. The the instrument amplifier jacks are switched because they drive on the wrong side of the road, so it makes sense oh, that man. their pedals are the wrong, wrong way around. What's up with that? Um, why did why did you know like those uh, Russian big muffs are backwards? I don't know. It it is. I've every single time almost I sit down to play this thing, I plug it in backwards because you know you're not thinking, you just patch it in and it doesn't work. Right. Um, but no, g- genuinely, this is an amazing, amazing fuzz. And it's a cool sort of uh, throwback to a piece of history. And I love the shape, too. Oh, like it's, those... it's like a doorstop cheese wedge thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I love the look of those. There's so much room to, to, to work in inside a box like that. I know. It, the circuit board only takes up like a quarter yeah, of the space in like here. It's so thing. small. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's amazing that they, back in the day when they were designing these things, they were like, well, the circuit board's this big, so we probably need a box... You know, I wonder because like the legend goes that the fuzz face was a mic stand base. Supposedly, but well, it was, I, it was, it was inspired derivative by inspired by a mic stand base. Yeah. But like, but it wasn't know, literally a mic stand base. I wonder if like the first tone benders, uh, and like that, you think those boxes were just like some sort of project box that they ordered, like, like what we did, you know, it or, might be, or do you think that they were like some special thing? Because so many people use that style. Well, I, I mean, a color sound. I, I maybe maybe only them, but interesting. You know, you know who probably knows this? <laughs> Josh Scott. Josh Scott. <laughs> yeah. In fact, you know what? It's probably already going to be JHS. Uh, their next week's episode. He's going to do a forty-minute expose on the boxes and the shapes. I I find that stuff so interesting. I mean, oh, I would obviously, watch the hell out of that. I mean, like, <laughs> like I say it jokingly, but I would genuinely be interested to know, like, why, why this shape? How it's made on how pedal enclosures are made. Oh my god, with the bad Casio keyboard music. Yeah, it's so great. And the, and the Canadian. Oh. We, what's what's that uh, narrator's name? The voiceover oh, guy for the, the guy from uh, the the Nickelodeon Double Dare. Yeah, is that or, the same or, guy? No, it's not. That, he does the candy, like the food one. <laughs> I, I don't know the narrative. Oh, oh, oh. Um, oh, what's the food one on Food Network? Yeah, what's that guy's name? Uh, it's not how it's, obviously not Mark how it's Summers. made. Mark Summers. Mark Summers. No, but yeah. he didn't do how it's made, though. No, okay. How it's made. And there's several versions of how it's made. The OG and the best version is the Canadian version uh, that's been syndicated here in the States. Brooks Moore? Um, Brooks Moore. I don't know. That's where I looked. That is. Uh, oh, Mark oh, the first recorded. Oh, this is, check this out. Back to the fuzz here. Master Machetier. The first record for the Salt Flats was the Jean Toad Duke SHJD1. There we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Google this thing and see what this looks like here. Um... It looks like there aren't many great matches for your shirt. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Wow. Interesting. Um, I don't know that this is the aesthetic that we're quite going for, but this is still a very fascinating uh, thing here. Let me see if I can get it oh. in the chat. No, it's not going to let me do it. 
Well, never hmm. mind. Interesting. There you go. Oh, well, it, anyways, it, the land speed record was 39 miles an hour. Oh, wow. But it was a long I've, time ago. So I've literally ridden my bicycle faster than that. <laughs> um, How fast were you going when you wrecked? <laughs> um, not that fast. I just went real high in the air and, and came down real hard. <laughs> oh, man. So, oh, yeah. Speaking of Josh Scott, and then we're going to wrap this up. This this ending is full of tangents. Did you know? I just found this out last night. They made a Back to the Future musical that like just came back into theaters in in the UK or into a a theater in the UK. No, man. So, um, it's pretty it's pretty neat. Like they like Bob Gale, the guy that wrote you know the original and was uh, I think Robert Zemeckis is like they're all involved. And it's 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 kind of cool because I love Back to the Future, cool. but when I was when I saw that this was out, there's like a trailer for it. I'm like, what? This can't just be Huey, Huey Lewis and Johnny Be Good. There's got to be more music. Like, what music is in the Back to the Future musical? And so I found uh, clips from like UK TV of the performers like doing songs, and in the background they had like projectors that would show the sets. But there's no sets on stage, obviously, because they were at a studio. And right. whatever the next iteration of that pedal or the pedal musical will be, we got to use that as a template so Josh can have some 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 virtual sets for those yeah, people to sing dude, and dance in. Uh, so I've not heard anything about pedals the musical too, but mm-hmm. I was I was promised uh, by the Scots. In the whole JHS crew that uh, Tilly and I would be involved, mm-hmm. and uh, I absolutely will do everything in my power to be involved. And yeah, we gotta we gotta step it up, man. We gotta go to like we gotta get a theater like on Broadway and do people <laughs> in the seats and do the whole thing. Yeah. Well, he he invited me to be a part of it too, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh my god! What if we? I want to I want to step up my role from band leader to actor. Or maybe I could do both. Maybe I could I could band lead and then like I have a scene where I step out and I have a line or two. And that'll be my debut acting role. Yeah, or you just sing. Like you get like you get a little mic and uh, or one oh, of the, the ones that comes out of your hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those are nuts, man. Just, just sew so it into your go. wig. No, no, we're doing it again. Shit. No, okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's time. On that, yeah. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye, everybody.